Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We're so thankful that you're participating with us today. And today's conversation is called Celebration. Enjoy. And you can connect with us on the Connect With Us tab, or they'll be sending a link to you uh, and be answering this question of when's the time that you felt most celebrated? Enjoy. I was sick for like two weeks and went and got myself a COVID test, came back negative, uh, which is good results. So I'm not exposing anybody, thankfully. Just had a good old fashioned sickness, cold, whatever you could, just the usual, the standard stuff, none of the novel stuff. Uh, so that's a, that's a real win. I'm gonna keep burning some time here until I get the full thumbs up that you're all back. All right, oh, so we're, we're good to go. Something that we believe in at New Abbey is this reality that we all want to be celebrated, that we want you to be celebrated and we want you to be able to celebrate other people, that we believe so much of who God is that at the heart of good news is this capacity to receive celebration and our ability to celebrate other people. There's a story that I share all the time about one of the original reasons uh, why I even started New Abbey. Uh, There was a friend of mine who lived in an area of Northwest Pasadena Uh, where it's primarily African-American, and he's this small Italian man. And he was this house that represented a a safe place for all these young men. And a lot of these young men were fatherless. And he would invite all these young men to the church that I used to work at. And that church was primarily white, primarily upper middle class, and there was more people who were in their 50s and 60s. And so over time, about 20 different young men were invited to that church. And finally, I asked a guy who's 19, 6'5", 250, pounds, African-American, stuck out like a sore thumb in my old church. I said, what was your experience like? And he said, you know what? Everyone was really nice to me here. And I'm sure if I came long enough, somebody would invite me to lunch. But he's like, you know, man, no one here would ever let me date their daughter. And that was a moment for me that shattered everything that I believed about good news. That this isn't just conversation and talk, and we're just not talking about these high ideals and theology How could we as human beings get to such a place that we believe in such a radical reality that Jesus offers us, that we so believe in the celebration of other human beings that we would give up the most intimate part of ourselves to one another, that we'd be able to celebrate in that way, that that is at the core of who we are as a community. And so to talk about celebration and the ability to celebrate others, we're going to talk about some things. We're going to talk about, you're dead to me got you there. Then we're going to talk about a hero's journey. And if we can talk about a hero's journey, then we're going to talk about no judgment. And if we don't have any judgment, then can we talk about the fact that God actually celebrates us? And if we can talk about how God celebrates us, then we can talk about some mirroring that happens in all of our lives. And if we can mirror that God celebrates us, then can we also celebrate ourselves and others around us? Then I have some birthday stories to share with you. And if we can talk about some birthday stories, then we'll get into the Enneagram. And if we can get into the Enneagram, then we got to come back to some mirroring. And maybe we could actually begin to celebrate God again, to reconstruct some things, and then we'll end with a toast. So my friends, follow along with me in Luke chapter 15. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. 
This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. To illustrate the point even further, Jesus told them the story, a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of the estate before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and here I am, dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son embraced him and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began, my friends. And meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working, and when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet with this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. And his father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. In the ancient Jewish world, what the youngest son is saying to the father is that you're dead to me. Then in the ancient world, everyone would have heard this story and been immediately shocked by what was taking place. That first of all, a younger son never asks for the inheritance. It's the older son's job to do so. The older son gets the double portion of an inheritance in that world. And you would never ask your parents for that inheritance because that inheritance only came to you upon your death. So the younger son is breaking all of the rules of the ancient world and saying, give to me now what is mine. But what's interesting about the story is it's not a story of condemnation or judgment that the younger son asked for something that was not his. It wasn't condemnation that the younger son was really saying to his father, this giver of good gifts, that somehow you need to be dead to me so I can get what's mine. Instead, in the story, the father honors the son celebrates him and who he is. 
And maybe we need more stories like this, that Jesus knows what he's doing, that Jesus is in front of the religious crowds saying that you keep excluding people from God. You keep telling people that they only can God have God here or there. But in this kingdom of mine, in this story that I'm telling you, who this God is, is always everywhere and always. This God is for everyone, even the sinners, even those who you think that you're better than always have access to this inclusive God who is constantly telling a story where this God reaches out to us as human beings. And maybe this story is not just about who God is, but maybe this story is also about the reality of your own journey. That in all of our journeys, we go on a hero's journey where sometimes we need to leave the thing that we grew up with. We need to leave that faith or that religion or that set of ideals. We need to question maybe the things that our parents told us. We need to go away to college or move to another state or just ask some different questions about reality. That what this story is telling us is it's okay to deconstruct. You don't have to be scared to question the bigger realities of life, that maybe this is actually a part of all of our journeys, that we leave home, and it's only in asking those questions, it's only in leaving home that you actually come to a realization of the reality of who you are and what God actually has for you. And maybe this story is just simply good old-fashioned rebellion. For many of us that we've been there, that we've been too hurt, too resentful, too much cynicism. We can't handle the pain that was put on us and it was time to leave and that's okay. Maybe the story is one of addiction or pain or hurt, things that feel beyond our control. The point of the story is that it's broad so that we're all invited into it. Whether it's deconstructing and asking some questions or it's rebellion in our lives, that there is still a God who celebrates us. That when the moment of realization happens for the son, what takes place is that the son recognizes, oh, I've sinned. As we like to say at New Abbey, sin is better defined as the palpable disruption of shalom that we disrupted the wholeness in the world, that the son recognizes this disruption that he's participated in and wants to go apologize for such things. And so many of us were taught that reality that we need to keep apologizing and apologizing to God. And yet what's so unique about this story is that the son prepares his speech as many of us have prepared when we've done wrong. God, you must be so angry at me. God, they told me that I'm unacceptable. God, they've said that this would never be something that you would be okay with. God, I'm sorry for, please don't be angry at me. We've all been there in some way, shape, or form. And yet, in this narrative, when the son prepares the speech, even when the son gives the speech to the father, the father doesn't acknowledge it. The father is ready to acknowledge celebration. The father is not here trying to make you feel guilt or shame for everything that you've gone through, but there's an honoring of the reality. Of course you've been through that. Of course you asked those questions. Of course that was a difficult time. But now you're here. And now maybe you be reminded that you've always been celebrated. That's the story that we learn, is that God celebrates us. That God has always been celebrating us. That God is always prepared to celebrate us. This is the narrative that we live into. It's called good news. 
It doesn't mean that there's not implications from the choices that we make in life, but it says that there's a God out there who has a bigger perspective of who we are as human beings. And maybe one of the realities that we see here is not only does God celebrate us, but God is always ready to remind us when we forget that even the older son is angry that his brother would be celebrated, that his brother wasn't doing the right things, that his brother didn't deserve such a celebration. And maybe this is one of the biggest things that we all need forgiveness for. When we're all filled with such biases about other human beings that we're unwilling to celebrate them. That what the father brings up is not how the younger son was out in wild living. What the father brings up is how the older son was unwilling to acknowledge this human being, his own brother, and to celebrate his life. And the father says maybe one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible, everything I have has always been yours. That maybe we all need that reminder that maybe we all forget and that we become discontent or cynical or we've walked away some, from some things. We're unsure where we stand with God or how we understand the world. And may we be reminded of this verse again and again and again. Everything I have is, has always been yours. You're never out of reach of this thing. You cannot somehow cross some line. That The God of the universe is always reminding us of these beautiful words. And if we can accept that reality, that we're all celebrated, that God is constantly reminding us of grace, which is an unconditional love that meets us exactly where we're at. That I love this idea and phrase of grace that if you take a million away from infinity, you still have infinity. That we cannot take anything away from the goodness and the grace of God. That everything I have has always been yours. And as we allow that reality to shape our lives, as we allow that to seep into our bones, into our DNA, into every part of our soul and our being, how do we begin to mirror that reflection back to the rest of the world? And that's the gift, that each and every one of us, we mirror back, we reflect what is shown to us. That many of us as children, what was shown to us were painful things. That we say in here a lot that hurt people hurt people. Most of the ways that we hurt other human beings were in the unique ways that we were hurt. A lot of times, even as small children, that what we've mirrored to the world, that what we reflect back when we're in our false self or unhealthy states, when we've left for the wild living, so to speak, is that we mirror hurt. And what this story is saying is, what if you could remind yourself again and again and again that you're celebrated? What if you could remind yourself again and again and again that everything I have is already yours? That if you could not just believe that but follow that reality, how would that change the world? How would that change the relationships around you if the other people who you love, if the other people who you're on Zoom calls with would be mirrored that radical good news of celebration? Last week was my birthday. And uh, it was honestly the most beautiful birthday that I've ever had. 
that what we had been planning for, uh, for my 35th birthday, is that we were going to throw a giant party, and we had literally invited hundreds of people, and there was going to be magicians and food and DJs, and we were going to go crazy. And I haven't thrown myself, or my wife, we haven't had a birthday party for me like that since I was 21 years old. So we said, you know what? There's just so much to be grateful for right now. I'm so thankful for our life and for our community and the reality that my birthday celebration is really a celebration of all of the people around us who have really allowed us to enjoy this beautiful life. And then quarantine happened like so many other people. You didn't get to celebrate with your loved ones. But Krista worked so hard this year just letting people know, hey, would you still send Corey a video or send him a message or write him a letter and let him know why you celebrate him? And All throughout this last four weeks, I've been crazy busy. I'm a good Enneagram three. So I find my value in working hard. For all of the Enneagram threes out there, come on. Enneagram threes built America, my friends. Come on. So Enneagram threes, we find our value in being recognized by what we've done. A lot of you don't know this, but I'm an executive at a development company. And in this development company, one of our subsidiaries is a bank. And so in all of these relationships for the last four weeks, I've been trying to help all of my basically clients of the organizations I work with get these paycheck protection program loans so that they can have money for their employees and for their organizations. And what it's meant is 12 hour days for like 28 days straight. No stopping, just literally going, waking up, having breakfast with my kids, closing the door, coming out at six o'clock, having dinner with them, going back in my room and working from 8 p.m. till God knows when. And there's part of me as an Enneagram three that is so alive because I'm working hard and I'm adding value and I think that people are gonna give me applause and this is the spotlight that I love to live in because I'm a three baby, come on. But over time, I just became wore out. I got worn out. I I started to feel sick. The work still had to be done. And I found that when it came to my birthday, I was starting to be resentful towards other people. Oh, they're not working hard enough. Oh, they're not doing all the things that they're supposed to do. I'm working two full-time jobs right now, and I'm helping all these people out, and what are they doing? And I became cynical, and I didn't begin to celebrate people in the way that I should. Even on my birthday, I got up early to get some work done, and I got done at about 3.30, and there had been some friends who had come back and, and kind of driven from different places, um, from Claremont and from Irvine up to our house just to sing songs, and, and I was so grateful. But at about 3.30, I got done with everything, and I just sat in my bed and I said, I'm tired. I don't even want to celebrate my birthday today. And I opened up my first video that someone had sent me, and it was a video from Brittany. And in that moment, she reminded me of who I am, that she was a great friend who mirrored and celebrated the truer parts of me, the parts of me that are not valued because of all that I can do, that my, my value is innate within me. It is not something that is earned. All of our value is innate, and it's not earned. It was an opportunity to begin to read through message after message after message, to begin to try to receive, to begin to turn resentments into gratitude. To begin to say how I've been analyzing and judging the world is not a part of celebration. That I need to be reminded in that moment that everything I have is already yours. You're not valued by how many loans you can get to clients. You're valued by how you treat people. Your friends celebrate and love you. That's value. 
And we all need those reminders. For many of us, whether you're too busy or you just feel isolated in this time, we need to be celebrated. We need not only just birthdays, but reminders every day of other people around us who can be mirrors to us, who can tell you, you're worthy. Your value is innate. Everything that God has is already yours. As we say in here all the time, and I'll say it a million more times, it's like Moses seeing the burning bush. It's not that the bush started burning. It's that the bush was always burning, and Moses finally had eyes to see it. Would we have eyes to see that there are already people around you, that there is already a God of the universe who looks at you and celebrates who you are? And if you can be celebrated, can you then celebrate yourself and celebrate other people? That's the healing that we participate in the world. And we mirror and we reflect back what is shown to us. And if we can be celebrated by God, celebrate ourselves, and have the capacity to celebrate those around us, I think something that for progressives who've deconstructed that they often have such a difficult time dealing with is, could I eventually celebrate God? That the celebration began from God and with God. And could it return to us celebrating who God is? Could we mirror the goodness that was given to us? Could we receive it and give it back in gratitude and thanks? And that may have changed for you. It may not be you sitting in your room listening to DC Talk or Chris Tomlin. And if it is, good for you, my friends. Maybe it's simply going on a walk at sunset and being thankful for fresh air. Maybe it's waking early in the morning and sitting back and hearing birds sing. Maybe it's still reading the scriptures and promises that have been given to God's faithful people for thousands and thousands of years. Maybe it is a moment of a Zoom call with somebody else where you can be grateful and say, hey, there's something beyond me here. I want to thank God for the reality that good things are going on in my life that we never want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, that so many of us grew up in environments where we only thanked God and we never took care of ourselves. But what we want to get back to is that we want to take care of ourselves and still thank God, that there is a cycle of grace and generosity, a cycle of mirroring that is taking place here where we are celebrated, where we have the capacity to celebrate others, where we celebrate God in return, and all of this light is reflecting back and forth. This is the story. This is the goodness that we're invited into. And so what we want to do today is something incredibly practical as a community. What we want to do is be reminded of these realities with one another. So I put out on social media that if you have, you know, a beverage of some kind, whatever you're drinking this morning, some of you are already day drinking, enjoy that. Maybe you got a glass of water or a LaCroix or a cup of coffee, that be thinking about ways that you can toast yourself that you can reverse the amnesia and be reminded today that you are celebrated. As you begin to receive the fact that you're celebrated by God, as you begin to receive the fact that you can celebrate yourself, would you think of just one person in your life who you can thank? And would you toast them? Would you celebrate the ways that they mirror that goodness into your life? As you think about their goodness and that goodness comes from within and from somewhere else, would you toast God? Would you move back into a place of thankfulness and gratitude of saying, 
God, even in the midst of uncertainty and anxiety and unknown, thank you that you are the giver of goodness, that you are the giver of celebration, that all that you have has always been ours. Thank you for that reality. And this week, would you go right to that person or send them a message, in some way contact them and say, today I'm celebrating you. Would we mirror this to the world? If you've been deconstructing and you don't even know what you believe anymore or what's going on, this week, would you start simple and would you reconstruct and would you simply say in some small prayer, God, thanks. And maybe that beginning of gratitude will begin to allow you to reflect even more goodness and more grace and more celebration into the rest of the world. And then we're gonna get even more practical. That right now, if you don't feel celebrated, we would say, would you ask and we want to be there for you. Would you email info at newabbey.org and would you say, I'm dealing with anxiety, I'm dealing with depression, I'm dealing with pain, I'm dealing with loneliness. Is there somebody that I can talk to? That we've got a whole team of pastoral staff and we have all kinds of people in our community who have just said that, hey, we want to be there for people and they'll be there for you. Maybe you're in financial crisis. The stimulus wasn't enough for you. Unemployment isn't catching on. You're scared about what's next. Would you email us and would you say, I need help? And let me pause here. We worked this out last week with our board where we want to start with $5,000. And we want to say, maybe you've been scared this whole time, but you've just been scared to ask and scared to reach out because you have need going on. Would you email us and say, that extra $100, that extra $300, that extra $500, that extra $10 would make all the difference in my life right now? May it be a reminder for you that when you ask for that money, that there's a whole community of people around you who want to celebrate your life, that you are innately valuable, that everything that God has is already yours. And that if it's just dollars and cents that are getting in the way from you feeling celebrated, then let's change that right now. And on our giving page, uh, there's a new little fund that just says rowboat fund. If you're like, man, I don't know what all those needs are going to come in, but I got 20 bucks because I want to help that person. Every dollar that's given in that rowboat fund, we will give away to every person in our community. And we've committed that for the entire month of May, we're going to try to meet every need that comes in. And we're going to let our community know about it in real time. So if you need, would you ask, whatever that thing is for, whether it's a financial need or an emotional need, would you email us, would you let us know where you're at? We don't know if you don't tell us. If you have the ability to give something right now, whether that's financial or emotional support or the ability just to care for someone in this time, would you let us know? Would you click on that fund? May we be committed this month as the world is, begins to open up, as local, state, and federal governments are asking questions about what's next, we're going to be committed to celebrating one another. We're not going to just do that in theory or ideology. We're going to do that in practical ways because the good news is that we're all celebrated. We're going to remind each other in practical ways that all that I have is already yours. This is the work that we live into with one another. Would you raise your glasses and toast yourself and one another and God? Would you participate by asking or giving if you can and let's support each other in this time? You're gonna go ahead and get back into those same Zoom groups and you're gonna ask this question with one another. What do I most need right now? Do I need to receive being celebrated by God? Do I need to celebrate myself or somebody else? Or do I need to begin the reconstruction process of celebrating God once again? 
Think about that, reflect on that, and think about how you can answer all of these questions throughout this week. And please let us know the ways that we can support you in your journey. Enjoy. Thanks for listening to the New Abbey podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.